This episode is brought to you by Sheath. You can go to sheathunderwear.com and discover the most comfortable underwear ever created. Now, what makes sheath underwear different? Well, for men, on the inside of the underwear, there is a dual pouch. That means separate compartments for your manhood. Imagine a silky, smooth pouch on the inside that your boys slide right into that keeps you separate from your legs so there's no more sticking, no more chafing, no more need for readjustment. We all know that little move you have to make to kind of peel the bad boys off of the leg. Well, with sheath, that is a thing of the past. There are several fabrics to choose from, from modal to bamboo. My personal favorite is the bamboo. It's a newly launched product that everyone seems to really love. I highly recommend trying the bamboo sheath underwear if you have not ever given yourself the gift of true comfort. Wearing these underwear truly sets a new precedent for what underwear are and for most people, I think they end up switching entirely over to sheath because when you put on your old underwear after trying these, they just don't cut it anymore. You can try sheath risk-free. There is a 100% money-back guarantee on your first pair. So go to sheathunderwear.com and use promo code TIMEWHEEL to save 20%. I've been involved with Sheath since its conception. It was founded by my brother, Robert Patton, who is a US military vet, who during the course of his two tours to Iraq, developed this product out of need. Need is the mother of invention, as he likes to say. And he did a great job bringing this awesome product to the world. Again, that's sheathunderwear.com promo code TIMEWHEEL. This episode is also brought to you by Ohana Kava Bar. Go to ohanakavabar.com and check out their selection. Ohana means family and it is spelled O-H-A-N-A and Kava is spelled K-A-V-A. You can order directly from their website and they will mail you high quality kava. If you don't already know, kava is a plant medicine, an herbal supplement, a replacement for alcohol. It is an incredible experience. I have used kava for years now. I love it. It makes you chill, happy, vibey. It is a communal and ceremonial beverage to unwind with at the end of your day. If you haven't given kava a try, I highly recommend it. Again, go to ohanakavabar.com and use promo code TIMEWHEEL to save 10%. Their store offers classic kava, instant kava, kava tinctures, kava capsules, and more, all of which I have tried and all work incredibly well. ohanakavabar.com promo code TIMEWHEEL.
Accessing archive. Authorizing. Access granted. Accessing file. We are rolling, and I am here with Nanu Burks. How are you today? Hey, man, I'm doing so good. It's so nice to be here. Yeah, we, we were introduced uh, in Austin several years ago, probably two, three years ago at this point, at a, a kind of a festival that you were, I think, co-producing, or you were part of the promo team, or something like that. Yeah, it was, it was around, the, around crypto. Was it the Exist Art Festival? I think that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah, it was one of the first decentralized art shows ever. Um, and yeah, I was co-producing it and I brought in a bunch of artists that were non-crypto-centric as well. So mm -hmm. it was kind of like a nice integration. And it was like a side event to South by Southwest, yeah. Yes, that's what it was. And I just so happened to be in town uh, with Jennifer Sodini at that time. So she uh, joined me in meeting you for the first time and we hung out at your fest and then later at a kava bar, which was kind of <laughs> nice. and got to learn a bit about each other so uh what got you into the crypto space because that's something I, I can tell you're very passionate about yeah thank you for that question um so i was making crypto art before i knew that i was making crypto art i was making political art you know spray painting banks in argentina when i was like freaking 14 you know teeny bopper and I was skating, mm -hmm. skating around and just like you know um and I, I thought I was just angry and rebellious but as I got older and I learned about bitcoin and, and everything I, and decentralization I realized that you know what I was doing was standing up for my freedom and making a statement about decentralization and so um you know the banks closed down went up when in 20 2002 um when I was 13 and, and it mm -hmm. stole they stole my family savings. So we ended up on the streets, like literally overnight. Um, mm. It was insane. And I, I was Damn. one of the lucky ones. So I go to, to the US and I was able to build a career. Mm. But um, basically that's why I'm, I'm into crypto art because I lived through that shit. And I know how powerful it can be to be your own bank mm. and to create your own freedom and to make a living, an abundant living, you know, living off your art with these new systems. So Absolutely. all about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow, that's intense. So um, around that time when all of this was going on, um, what other things were you exploring? Because to become an artist, I feel like a couple of things have to line up um, <laughs> in someone's life to become, you know, very interested in, in pursuing art as a path. So what were those things for you? Yeah, it's so true. So much alignment has to happen. And I think especially to become a successful artist, in any industry, you know, there's the business things you do where you got to make a name for yourself in a niche community and then you can branch out. But before that, um, there's so much alignment that needs to happen in your soul. You need to know who you are, what you stand for, what you want to do. And fortunately and unfortunately, that stuff comes out of pain, man. It comes out of like intense suffering mm -hmm. and out of out of like losing all hope. And then you find your light and you say, okay, this is the thing that I, that gives me hope. This is the only thing I care about. And this is what I'm going to pour every ounce of me into. And so, um, I had a couple moments like that in my life, but the most epic one was, um, six years ago, I was in a crazy car accident. Um, I was bicycling actually in Argentina yeah. and a car took me out and, you know, I like remember everything, slow oh, motion, freaking dying, coming back to life. 
And, and in that moment, um, it was, it was one of those moments where I was laying on the pavement and I was just feeling so grateful for having lived my life exactly how I wanted every second, you know, like backpacking and painting murals and always doing what I want. And I felt so grateful. And so the message was very clear, you know, keep doing this and don't ever stray from this path. So yeah, it's some clarity that came out of that. Exactly. Yeah, you know, similar thing here with with what I uh, decided to start pursuing instead of the safe route, you know, the whole just like uh, steady income, you know, nine to five, like job security format that a lot of people will go after because it's, yeah, the safe route. It's a a safe way. There's not a lot of gambling involved in it. Um, But for me, it was... uh, as I would say, a near-death experience through psychedelics um, in that uh, we took a lot and it really expanded our perception of what's going on um, around us. And um, when I was able to see what a rare gift that this life was and and what a miracle it was that, that I was here and that everyone was here, I was like, why would, why would I use this, you know, wh- why would I do anything other than the things that I absolutely love during this time I have? You absolutely. Know? And that's so powerful. And, and the answer is fear, right? Why, why mm-hmm. would I do anything else? And I keep coming up to that because yeah, having a steady income does make a lot of things easier. And, um, I don't know that I would suggest to people to do it the way I did it, that I just kind of quit everything and went full on because it can be very difficult, mm-hmm. but at the same time, exactly what you're saying, you know, Time is so precious and and it is really rare to be alive. And if you have a fire inside of you with creativity, you got to explore that because when everything falls around, falls apart around you, you know, friendships or stress or uh, jobs or locations or dreams or whatever, if you have that fire and you can tap back into that, you always have this drive to keep going, you know, like that doesn't come from outside that. And, and even mm-hmm. if your dreams fall apart too, if you, you still have that fire of curiosity and intuition and creativity, you have something to be around for. Like we don't have, we don't have to survive, you know, we, we do have to make money and pay for groceries and stuff, but we don't, we're not being chased by a lion, you know? So the only thing that I feel keeps me going mm-hmm. is just trying to figure out how far my creativity can go and like how much I can learn to bring these concepts into reality, you know? Absolutely. And creativity is also problem solving. So when you run into situations in your life where, you know, you might be at uh, a place where you really have to decide uh, which route to take or how to get, uh, how to create a creative solution to the problem you're facing, I feel like with heart, with passion and with trust and, and faith in the process, you can always find a way around any block that is in your way. You know what I mean? It's so true. It's this quote. I, I'm going to butcher it. I don't remember it well, but it's some quote that says, um, you're never trapped in a situation. You're tra- trapped in a state of mind. And it's true, right? We're trapped in a perspective. And that's why psychedelics. And uh, I mean, I use microdoses of mushrooms all the time to just kind of mm-hmm. step outside of myself and see a new point. And it's so crazy, right? How something can feel so real and like, there's no way out at all. Like you've looked at every single thing and then you take a breath and you take a moment, some psychedelics or whatever is your therapy and all of a sudden, it's like a new door pops out of nowhere mm-hmm. from below the forest. It's just, it's so crazy how convinced yeah. the mind can be. 100%. Yeah, microdosing is becoming um, a very real, tangibly uh, effective uh, modality that a ton of people are using from every industry. Um, you know, some people are more open about it than others, but I really do feel like 
uh, it is helping move creativity forward and uh, just, you know, like creating a better world little by little by allowing people to see in a novel way and um, create from new spaces of thought. Um, for you, when was it that psychedelics entered your life and, and how did it happen? Um, I think the first, so I moved to the U S when I was like 13, 14 and I didn't mm -hmm. speak the language. So I was really anxious all the time and somebody handed me a joint, you know, and that, that was mm -hmm. a wrap. I smoked for like 20 years, just like several blunts mm -hmm. a day to, to feel normal. And, um, yeah. and it really helped actually. Um, and then I went straight into ayahuasca. I think that was my first psychedelic. I was backpacking and oh, wow. it found me and I did three, four sessions and it actually totally cleared my depression, my anxiety for two years. I went stone cold sober and it was amazing, but I was, you know, popped open. Like it kind of pops your consciousness and I was really floaty. And so it was amazing, but it wasn't real either. It wasn't fully grounded. So then, you know, I went into microdoses of mushrooms, little mushroom trips, stuff like that. And, um, I'm, I'm 31 now and I feel like I've had a lot of experience with psychedelics, but also, I'm a big advocate of microdoses. I don't think that people need huge monster doses. I mean, those do something else and it's really awesome to, to yeah. put, you know, pull through a 12 hour journey and it's an ego slap and it's so useful. Sure. Um, but I also, yeah, just want to shout out, you know, microdoses because a microdose of acid or mushrooms, even of weed is, it can be so powerful for meditation, for everything, you know, how about you? When was the first yeah. uh, time you, 1000%. Um, for me, we were, and it happened with cannabis as well. Uh, that started my intrigue. And it was really funny because I was actually someone who felt like anyone who used cannabis or any drug was like less than. I was like, y'all are, y'all are ruining your lives. You're ruining your brain. This is not going to help you at all. Like, and then when I smoked for the first time, I, oh, this is very very nice <laughs> you know what i mean um it really helped me appreciate music because i was already a musician i grew up in a house with a piano so i would just play at the piano from being a kid and um i got a keyboard around age I don't know, 12 or so and me and my friends started making a little band um so i was already a musician and i loved music just already it was already embedded in me but after i smoked cannabis with some of my uh bandmates uh we I saw music as a dimension, as more of a immersive experience, almost like a movie. I could see music videos unfolding in my mind's eye just after taking a hit from a bong. And it's pretty spiritually uh, enlightening to understand that the thing that I love so much, music, had so many dimensions to it. It wasn't just the thing I thought it was on the surface level. It it had many layers beneath that. And uh through that experience, I definitely got intrigued into what are psychedelics, what is mind expansion, what is spirituality, because I was having an experience not of the surface level anymore, and it was actually very intellectually stimulating. Um, I was able to look at the world in a new way, in a way that was different than my previous like 17 years, where you know it, you kind of get this feeling that you think you know what's going on, and you have a really like solid understanding of what life is and then after these experiences you realize whoa there's so much i don't know and in fact almost everything i think i know might just be my opinion might just be my my limited window of what i'm perceiving and for me that was very helpful because um i feel like 
when people get into depressive states, it's because they feel as if they know what is happening. And unlocking to the mystery and the wonder and the maybe we don't know all the information that makes us feel this way can open our mind to um, get out of uh, a negative headspace and, and maybe just start a conversation, start those hard conversations with people that, you know, if you're going through like a drama with a friend or a family member, instead of just feeling like you know what's going on, like go to them and ask them what's going on instead. So that there was a bunch of uh, really like revelatory insights that came uh, from cannabis. And then the next one was uh, magic mushrooms. And then I tried LSD and then I tried DMT and then I tried peyote. And I was really just on this like path of I want to learn as much about these plants as possible um, because I was just very, very uh, intellectually stimulated by the experiences that they provided for sure. And I, and I also agree with you about microdosing because while it is, I think, beneficial to have a handful of mind-blowing experiences with a higher dose, um, once you get the message, it's kind of like hang up the phone. Um, and I think people can dip their toes in once or twice a year, you know, um, to, to these bigger doses and that type of thing to just really remind themselves of where they are spiritually. Um, but microdosing actually helps you transmute these things in your mind into tangible things in reality, like art, like audio, like, you know, uh, just projects that really can creatively fulfill you. And I found that through my experiences that, you know, I started without a lot of money, um, but as I became more successful, and now I'm 30, um, you know, money found me um, through just doing what I love, and I realized it doesn't even make me happy. <laughs> it's like, it, it's nice to have, uh, like, it, you feel like you can, uh, like, maybe your problems are, are kind of less uh, intense when you have some money, like, you don't feel like, it, just because you get, uh a flat tire or your fridge runs out or like just something happens, like your whole life doesn't have to fall apart because of that. Cause, Oh, I'll just go buy another one. But at the same time, it, it isn't what it's cracked up to be. A lot of people think, Oh, well, once I get money, I will finally be happy. I'll finally be at my peak level of, of who I'm capable of being. But for me, I found that fulfillment is the, the real currency of life. And if you're not fulfilled, you can have a million dollars in your bank account and it's not going to make you happy. So you have to do something daily that makes you happy. Dude, you, um, you've touched on so many things. I'm like taking notes over here because I'm going through some of this <laughs> as well right now. And um, I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to highlight some of the things you said. Um Mm -hmm. um my macrodoses to me are like like you said twice a year you know it's like the the yearly hard drive clean you got to do that you got to yes. optimize your hard drive the microdoses you said it kind of helps you bring it down and implement it into the real world i haven't heard it described mm -hmm. like that before and i love that because it's true when you have a microdose you can bridge those two worlds you're still who you are you are in your personality and yeah. and you know identity body whatever avatar that we've chosen and then at the same time you can yeah. see those threads and so it's so important and the other thing is you know a lot of us get curious about psychedelics and we go all out but also i'm a big fan of bringing it back and i, I just tell people for every every psychedelic trip you do you need twice as much time of grounding that in and understanding what the lessons were so what you said about get the message and hang up the phone because yeah. otherwise you get all the messages and then you're always on the phone 
and you never get to make bring the magic right. through those. Um, and uh, what was the other thing you said? It was so good. Right. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's yeah, absolutely. Oh, the thing about money. So um, to to get really real about mental health, because I love I love um, being transparent with the shit. So I you know I've been super depressed since I was five. I remember like being five and being depressed. And uh, mm-hmm. I've, I've tried natural remedies my whole life. Um, I was one of those people that said, you know, fuck medication. I'm never going to do that. And after four years, the last four years mm-hmm. of being really in a bad place, and especially the last two, being able, not being able to work at all because I was so depressed, I tried a microdose of, uh, of Wellbutrin, which is dopamine. So it doesn't have serotonin. It's not an SSRI, which still allows you to play with, my, my, with psychedelics. Um, but, you know, but it's been really helpful. And then... On that note, um, I went from being on unemployment. I went from being really successful selling like $10,000 art pieces consistently for a while to being really fucking depressed mm-hmm. and not being able to work at all to then uh, being on unemployment until recently and then making $40,000 in like two weeks. So it's been so crazy, you know, to experience wow. this. And now with the with the $40,000, it was this moment where for two days I was kind of high on it and feeling so fulfilled, especially because it's all mm-hmm. through art sales, which is my deepest fulfillment, you know, just art. And then yeah. like two days after I was feeling the same stress, the same neurosis, the same anxiety. And, and I thought, wow, okay, well, what I really right. need to work on is trusting that money's always coming because if i just regardless of the amount that i acquire yeah. and regardless of how soon that happens if i'm always feeling that the flow is going to stop that's what stresses me out and i just wanted to give some hope to people listening too if you've gone through stuff like this i i feel grateful that i've been able to get to my last dollar so many times when i'm young and when i'm making mistakes you know because i keep mm-hmm. learning with kind of like a low risk almost like I can lose all my shit and whatever I'll crash at my friend's place, but you know, I don't want to be doing this in my sixties and it's okay if you are too. Um, but yeah, it's been really nice to be able to play with this. And the message every time is dude, just trust the universe. Just trust that what you're doing, like work, you know, work hard for what you want. Um, but also just know that things are always coming and they're, they're pouring in in avenues that you're not even able to see. Like it's always a surprise, the coolest projects, you know? So yeah, it's a real thing. It's yeah, and, and fulfillment, right. like you said, fulfillment is a real currency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is because it's one that I don't know. It, it's it's hard to describe, but I guess it you know in the sense of being a musician because I'm a musician. Um, when I have a new song I'm working on and it's coming along and it's not even done yet, it's just coming along some part of me really feels fired up, amped up, inspired. I want to hear the song over and over. Like I run it back in the car, like just listening to my own music repeatedly. Um, And I don't know, like it really adds a dimension of happiness that otherwise is just not there. And um, for someone who's uh, more of an artist like you, it might be that new piece, you know, you're, you're laying in bed trying to go to sleep, but you're like, oh, but I have this vision for this part to add to my new piece. And it just can really like, I'm excited about it, you know, in a way that just money doesn't do. But I, and we'll jump into crypto stuff in a minute here. But one of these lessons was learned through crypto because um, I was part of the, the, I think they call it a bull run. Uh, when was it? Two or three years ago when crypto hit its like massive peak and it's beyond it now. But um, it's beyond what it used to be was like the highest part. And 
um, it was interesting because I only put, you know, two grand in and then it turned into 20 and then it turned into 25 and it turned into 30 grand and so on and so forth. And at a point, I just didn't even feel any different, even seeing so much more money the next day. Like, and then I would lose some and I wouldn't even feel that different. I would just be like, hmm. And like now it's back up to the highest point that it's been and beyond. And uh, I could see, you know, it go up, you know, 5K in a day or something. And I'll just be like, huh, okay. I won't be like, yes, yes, yes. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't excite me. But if I make a dope part of a song, I will get that excited. So it's like the fulfillment factor I found is so much more important than like like this this money that more or less they can take from you at any time um if someone wants your stuff you know whether it be the government or you know a robber or whoever they're going to take it and for you to to not feel like that is your identity that money is your identity is so helpful because you can always lose it you can always get it back i i know we all need a certain level of of uh income to live well and I think once you reach that, that's a great accomplishment. But uh, after you've reached the point of living well, um, the more and more and more you get almost just causes more and more issues or problems. And you hear about people that say more money, more problems. It's kind of true. It's kind of true. I don't know what's up with it, but it's like when people start to know, you know, you're doing well and they start looking at you kind of different. Like, well, what are you going to, what can you do for me? You know, like, well, you have all this, but you didn't buy my lunch or like whatever. It's kind of like, it's like, it gets a little finicky and like you want to give back and you can, but then when people start to expect that from you every time and then you, you, you don't one time, it's like this weird vibration starts occurring and you're like, huh, I kind of wish I didn't have all this money. A hundred percent. It's, um, it's, with, you know, with money comes power, responsibilities, all that. But for me, is with money comes pressure because, yeah, people mm-hmm. start to look at you or with success, you know, whatever your definition of success is, whether you put a good song out and, it, and you know, I hit a bunch of uh, numbers or a good art piece or whatever. And um, it's been interesting, yeah, seeing people reach out and kind of want to, I don't know, take advantage or be fake, you know, people that never cared about you mm-hmm. and always treated you like crap. And all of a sudden they're like, hey, what's up? How you doing? You know, and it's interesting. I try to be as compassionate and um, clear as possible with my boundaries and stuff. Um, and I'm sure I've done it too. Like, it's just a thing, right? When there's power and light somewhere, we gravitate towards it like a moth. And if we're not aware of, um, our, um, open mm-hmm. channels or the, our lacks or stuff like that, we can energy vampire from someone without even knowing. So I, I like to think that I work enough on that, that I'm more aware now, but I feel for like all of us who yeah, just do that sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. it is really hard to be in survival mode and to not have your bills straighten out. And the majority of my life has been there, even though I've had a lot of really amazing peaks where, where it's been really good. Um, so, so yeah, I, I mm-hmm. feel for all of us when we're in those moments, cause it, it can be really crippling and really hard and it can be really hard to tap in, into your creativity and pull and put hope into that when you don't know how, where your next meal is coming from or if you have a house and so i think going back to your first question what are the mm-hmm. things i need to align don't you know we we wait sometimes for like oh it you know it's not the perfect time we gotta wait we gotta wait and the truth is that we gotta just push and persevere through those moments through the hardest fucking moments once you persevere through the hardest mm-hmm. moments and you tap into your creativity at your lowest point you can do anything you know 
Yeah, 1000%. I do think that... So I was introduced to this book and it's it's a polarizing idea because some people really don't like it and some people really love it, but it's uh, The Secret and that's The Law of Attraction. And it's that what you think about, you bring about. So if you think about your problems, you think about what you don't have, you just attract that more and more and more to you and that's what you're observing on a higher level. Um, if you think about what you're capable of doing, you think about what you do have and you're grateful for those things, more and more finds you, more and more abundance like seems to, to flow in your direction. And this doesn't happen after day one of changing your mind, you know, or even a month. It takes a year and five years, you know, to uh, for that stuff to start to manifest. But if you do have the faith in the process, uh, it absolutely works because I didn't come into this life with any particular skill or any particular inheritance or anything in particular that gave me a, 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 like an advantage, I guess, other than being a white guy in America or whatever. But um, I didn't have a lot of hope for, uh, for my first, in my first 17 years about what I could do. I really thought the highest thing I could achieve uh, is to be a salesman at Best Buy. And I mean, that's, no knock to those guys. I mean, everyone starts somewhere. And, and if that is your path, that's great. But for me, uh, I thought that that was the maximum level of thing I could achieve is like, hey, if I get a job at Best Buy selling computers, because I like computers, like I will be happy, that will be in my life. Um, and it wasn't until these kind of psychedelic experiences and having uh, mentors and, and doing work uh, in the creative field that I understood that literally the sky is the limit. If you just believe in yourself and believe in your path and believe in what you're capable of doing and refining yourself and sharpening the sword of your discipline on a daily basis, uh, you can really achieve anything you set your mind to. Um, and, you know, be realistic with your goals, but also set goals that kind of scare you, set goals that kind of like make you nervous about whether or not you can achieve them, but slowly but surely chip away at them. And there is a lot of time, you know, we have a lot of time uh, to do these things. And I don't know, I just feel like I understood from the secret what the essence of the message was. I think some people can really get wrapped up in maybe a dogmatic uh, approach to these things, but I really find just Find what you like out of a message, out of a book, out of a movie, out of a concept, out of a philosophy. You don't have to follow it to the T, but pull something from it and then pull something from another one and pull something from another one and make your own philosophy that empowers you to move forward in your path and work with people you want to work with. And even if that's not paid work, you know, it, it really pays in experience to work with people doing things that you want to do you know like for me it's working with other musicians or other filmmakers or other podcasters or people doing art in general because i do consider myself an artist although i'm not a, a much of a visual like painter or drawer or anything in that sense but i have a creative mind and i see visions of things that i want to manifest and it might not even be me doing the bulk of the work but i can pull the strings together and be the glue of getting people organized to do a thing and then all of a sudden whoa it manifested the idea is here now you know i think you're really good at that and i think that that's also 
it's a great skill to have to bring everybody together because so many artists, you know, there's some of us that are in the intersection of art and business and project managing and stuff. Uh, but a lot of artists don't care for that, don't like that. And they just want to show up and do their thing. And that's beautiful. And to have people that create systems like you do sometimes is, is also amazing. And uh, yeah, what you said about manifestation, you know, I've had beef with this word and I've gone back and forth from fully believing in it to feeling like it's absolute bullshit. And I think what lines up for me now is that my thoughts and my emotions need to be aligned for it to become true. And that's so much easier said than done because, because I can feel that I'm capable and I can feel all these things, but you know, thoughts can intersect or, or vice versa. And so, um, something that's really helped me with that. Oh, and the other thing that I used to think is that it was kind of passive, you know, there's all these mixed messages out there like, Oh, just sit back and receive, learn how to receive. Well, there's a lot we got to do. We got to clean our channel, clean our antenna of all the unnecessary, you know, assumptions and limiting beliefs. We got to be in receiving mode, but it's, that's an active role to be in receiving mode. It's not just chilling and doing nothing. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then, you know, manifesting something takes energy like anything so we got to put a lot of energy whether it's belief love passion behind something and hold that energy for long enough for that to pierce through the veil so it's like a pretty Mm -hmm. complicated thing that can be effortless but you know i think when early on when we start awakening and we read all these things and we listen to abraham hicks and we read the secret and we talk you know terence mckenna and all this stuff it, in Alan's what's it can seem so like what am I doing wrong because it's just manifesting it's just simple and it is tricky too there's so many things I need to line up but yeah once you um once you really understand the feeling of you know like for me the most powerful thing has been I used to always say I want to be more successful right like I want to be smarter and, and make more art and all this stuff and I just switched mm-hmm. to I am successful I am successful because because I've been doing what I love for my the majority of my life because I've taken risks because I meet amazing yeah. people every day and so switching to I am successful has continued to amplify that vision versus continuing to replicate the experience of I want because it's, it's what you said before if I if I feel like oh I want to be yeah. I want this I continue to replicate the experience of I want but if I have and I am I continue to replicate the mm. experience of I have and I am and it is it's hard to switch to that um i've been i've been switching that with money recently too uh to the point where if i make 10k in mm-hmm. one day i feel really happy because i've struggled a lot so seeing the the numbers pop up for me does give me joy mm-hmm. but it's not it's it's like hedonic happiness it's not sustained mm-hmm. so i've been trying to switch my mindset to mm-hmm. to feeling like i just got a million dollars into my bank account after a really good interaction or after a really good nature walk, you know, like how can I, how can I access these spaces of abundance and fulfillment from doing things that are good for me instead of Mm. just relying on money to make me feel secure, you know? Yep. I agree. And about, you know, being successful instead of wanting success, it, it, it's a tough thing because our mind is constantly looking for problems to solve and the the problem is sometimes we're not successful enough and it's like but hey look put yourself 10 years ago and and imagine where you are now like this would have been insane to you to yeah. think that you would be where you are now 10 years ago like you would have been like my whole life would have been complete yeah. i could die happy like everything that i ever wanted would have came true and then we get here and we're like i need more you know so, so but but so but to be yeah but to be successful is to remember that is to remember that where you are now is where you 
would have given anything to be just 10 years ago. And as long as you're true to your path, I think that happens for most people, um, at least most creative entrepreneur type people, you know, like I can't speak for people that really aren't in this particular lane of, of work. But, um, for me, you know, if we, if I put myself 10 years ago and, and see the life I have now, the people I've worked with, the things I've done, it's like, whoa, like I really did it. I really made it. I've made it to, and beyond what I thought I was capable of, which is a really good thing. But also a lot of people that are successful, they, they say it was luck. And, um, what I, I've heard luck is, is luck is when opportunity meets preparation. So it's like when an opportunity arises and you're prepared for it and you seize it, that is that lucky kind of, you know, uh, chance that, that people wait their whole lifetime for. And what's crazy is when you know how this stuff kind of works and you understand these concepts, you can get lucky every day. You can, you just have to have the awareness of what you're looking for because the the right person can enter your you know your surroundings your your awareness whether it even be online or you bump into them at the grocery store um and if you're prepared when that person is there to have a discussion or introduce yourself and give them you know your card or whatever it is they might put that card in a drawer or dresser or something and not look at it for six months but six months later someone that they know come to them and say, do you know someone that paints Bitcoin really well? And they're like, you know what? I met someone six months ago at the grocery store. Let me give her a call. And then all of a sudden you've got a dope client or a dope commission piece or whatever it is. And it's like, because you pursued that moment, uh, sometimes it takes a while to manifest, but surely it does. And especially if you're in alignment with your higher self, I think. And um, that's kind of woo-woo talk, but I don't know. It really seems to work. And when you go internal and you meditate or you pray or you put energy towards, um, you know, uh, an honest and heartfelt mission, uh, I don't know. All I can say is my own experience, but things start happening. Things start happening. Yeah, and and the the timeline is such an important thing because it's true. It's sometimes, you know, it took it was really difficult to get the business cards done or to, to meditate every day or to do, you know, to do basic stuff, go on a walk to, to be not socially anxious enough to go into a supermarket and have that conversation. And these things take months and months sometimes to regulate everything for that perfect moment. Um, yeah. And it's, it's really beautiful to see it happen. And also, um, we never know, like that, that's the part that keeps the magic alive. You know, when, when, when things take a little bit longer and then we, we get to see them come together and mm-hmm. you see the full picture like a year later, several years later, it's so humbling every time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when I was in, on unemployment and terrified of m- my life and what I was like going to do, I was stressing over all these things. And, and the way that the money came in was through NFTs, which was not what I was expecting at all. It was not even something that I was entertaining as the most profitable Mm. idea and the energy showed up for it. So Mm -hmm. it was fun. It's fun. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. Well, congrats on all that. And I also want to say, how did NFT world find you? What, you know, who was it something you just stumbled across on a blog or did someone send something your way? And then you decided I want to do this. How did this story begin? 
Yeah, it's a it's like a whole uh, complicated matrix. But basically, in 2016, I minted my first NFT through a friend who, um, you know, NFTs have been around for a long time, um, but they okay. just hit they just hit the craze now. So it's 2016, 2017, mm-hmm. I minted a couple pieces via other people because the technology was still over my head. I was still learning. And then 2017, right. 18, I was making a ton of crypto art and I've minted my own pieces just this year. But I think that, and that's the other thing, it seems like overnight success, but I've been in this space for six years and I helped the platforms, the mainstream mm-hmm. platforms, I helped build those. You know, I was there sitting in, in consultations, working for free for hours. And six years later, you know, mm-hmm. that's paying off. Um, so a lot of times, and I know that a lot of su- successful people say this the the overnight success is actually 10 years in the making and it's so true you know whether you're working on yourself or your craft or both um but yeah so i guess a lot of my collectors and people were kind of waiting and and asking when are you doing nfts and i was still kind of overwhelmed by the tech even though i've been learning it and i love it and finally i just jumped in you know about a month ago full-on I joined Clubhouse, which is the best marketing tool and connecting tool on the face of the planet right now, if you're in tech and art. And um, and it just kind of snowballed oh, wow. from there, you know, um, talking, connecting with people and minting, you know, publishing the pieces that I've been working on for years. And it's been amazing. So, yeah, it's, uh, and, you know, NFTs are, are a magical thing. NFTs awesome. are the equivalent of blockchain technology for Bitcoin. It's like blockchain technology for NFTs and and NFTs are what is allowing me to monetize all of my content, my music, my art, um, anything that I put on Instagram for free, I'm now selling and monetizing uh, thanks to NFTs. Interesting. So for, you know, let's just give people that have no idea what an NFT is, like a small crash course. I mean, I know it stands for non-fungible token, but what, what does that mean? That's right. That's right. So something that's non-fungible is something that cannot be exchanged um, one by one, right? So if I have $1 and I lose it, I get another dollar and that's very fungible. It's a dollar. It works the same way. It looks the same way, even if it's not the exact same one. If I draw on that dollar and I make it an original piece of art and I lose it, I can't really exchange it for another dollar because it doesn't have the art value. And so that's a non-fungible dollar. So basically uh, what Mm. NFTs are in the simplest way is um, some like a version of a digital contract that authentifies that the piece of art that you put on the blockchain is yours. It seals it with a timeline, with an owner. And the coolest thing about it for me, the coolest functionality of the NFTs is that every time it changes hands and it sells, the artist uh, can get a percentage back. So when you mint a piece, when you put it on the yeah. platform, I can choose, you know, 50% royalties, 30%, whatever. And as long as that keeps changing hands on the blockchain, I'm always going to get paid back, which is a thing that's not happening in the real art world. You know, collectors buy pieces, they sell them for millions of dollars and the artist is already dead or they never found out or they can't get into the deal. Mm. So this is really powerful for the decentralization of creativity, and the decentralization of, um, right. um, you know, cr- creative platforms controlling people's content. Um, it's not, let me like clarify that yeah. it's not a copyright issue sol- solving um, a solution because people can still steal your content. Okay. What's going on the, on the blockchain is a code that attaches to your work. It's not necessarily the files. Um, it's still really early on. So mm-hmm. the files will show up, but there's like a whole, it's, mu- it's more complicated than that. There's more con- uh, smart contracts. There's a lot of technology involved, but... At the simplest version, that's 
that's what it's like, you know, that's what it's for to kind of certify and authentic, uh, authenticate. I don't even know if that's a word to authenticate. Um, your, um, your uh, authenticate, authenticate. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There it goes. Okay. Very interesting. So that's, that's really cool. So the way I learned about it, it's a little bit of a different way. And I, I don't exactly know if the way I, I understand it is the right way, but, um, I was invited into a 3D space, uh, I believe it's called Somnium, and in it, there was an art gallery in this kind of 3D world, it almost looked like a video game, like The Sims or something, and I could walk around in this art gallery, and like, there was a bunch of art there, but apparently the person that built this art gallery actually owns the NFT to the pieces that is in his art space. So for me, it made me think of NFTs as a way to kind of uh, have your own, you know, actually purchased land, your actually purchased house in the digital virtual world, and you actually own the art pieces uh, that is in that that are on the walls in these these uh, digital plots of land called a parcel, and. For me, it was like, okay, it's a real-life video game. Because in the video game, there's really no actual value. Like, if you played The Sims, you know, you can't then sell the painting on the wall in The Sims for for any money. It's just a video game. But in this case, you can. In, In this case, if someone, you know, enters your house and sees a painting on a wall and says... I would like to own that piece and put it in my house and my on my parcel, which is their digital plot of land. You could actually sell it to them. They take it, hang it, and then not only that, but the really cool thing that you said is that artist even gets a little kickback from that, almost like a royalty. Um, and to me, it really just spoke to where we might be going as social media evolves, as technology evolves as computers and phones become more and more and more powerful will literally like instead of just a chat room or like a like 2d text box how we're texting back and forth like you know organizing this part this podcast you enter a space and you pop in and you're there and you've designed the space you own the art in the space you own the land you design the house it's a chat room we're all here. It's dope, but it's not only dope because we're here. It's dope because you own it. You know, it's amazing, dude. Honestly, I used to be very resistant to VR, AR. You know, I was one of those people who say I don't want to be trapped into this little machine. But being in the conversations about the worlds we're building for tomorrow and understanding that the way that everybody has Instagram today, everybody's going to have an app that connects them to the central land or super world or the metaverse or any of these, you know, virtual worlds. And it's mm-hmm. interesting. If you look at the really big picture, the way that we're going to be sold things to in the future, instead of a really tiny ad on Instagram that pops in and interrupts your feed, it'll be, yeah, us walking around in a virtual virtual world with our virtual clothing and looking at our virtual uh, artworks. And then, you know, you're going to be able to just grab that art piece. And what's even cooler for me, at least, is is the overlay between that 3D world or that metaverse world and the 3D world. Because now, for example, people are buying parcels or pieces of lands um, of land that are, for example, in Wynwood, Miami. Right. So with all of this COVID shit and also in general, just the the way the planet works um, and all of us being so nomadic and stuff and, and connected, 
Um, you know, the, the Paris fashion show is online. The Art Basel was online. Burning Man was online. And so we're going to, we're going to continue to see these integrate. So even if, um, Art Basel is in physical form, they will have a metaverse version of it as well. Um, and, and we see these things happening already, right? Like the Van Gogh museum in Amsterdam that is projection mapping and you can walk through his paintings. That stuff is super cool. So, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm, I have a a clothing line. It's like a crypto centric, but also a graffiti line, just streetwear. And I'm, I'm going to put that in VR mm-hmm. so that I can, and in AR, so I can sell that, you know, the way that, that Fortnite and all these video games are making billions of dollars selling like a little tool that the avatars use. Yep. Now we that can actually sell clothing and the cool overlay between the 3D and 4D or whatever is that, for example, I just launched a new t-shirt collection with a brand and three of those t-shirts will be NFT'd and possibly turn into uh, wearable VR clothing. So it's just so right. awesome. And also um, the the fashion industry is using this to reduce waste. So there's going to be a lot of sustainability that comes out of this where yeah. we can have the mansions and the crazy stuff that we want in the VR world, but maybe live more sustainably in the in the quote unquote real world. So it's, mm-hmm. it can be scary, but there's a lot of opportunities for making this more sustainable and beautiful and, and kind of like a win, 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 you know, for the planet and for us. Right. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. That brings to mind, uh, the idea of what an NFT is, is it is making it the actual genuine article of clothing, the actual genuine artwork, the actual you know, genuine skin uh, of an avatar or these types of things. So, for example, you know, we have to really put ourselves in in the mind of, of kids and 12 and 18-year-olds because these people, these kids are growing up in a whole new world. They've been having phones since they were like five and shit. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't have a phone. I was like 15. So. Really? You know, it's funny how we were like kind of the last generation of people who who lived in the outside world so much more. But um, so if they want, you know, they're going to interact a lot in their digital world, in the digital avatar. They might, you know, want a piece of genuine NFT clothing from someone that they, they love their brand. And to be able to say, yes, it's real. It's, it's actually the real version instead of... You know, because anyone can get like a fake Prada bag and everyone's like, yeah, but is it real? And it, and you're like, uh, no, but it looks real. But to the people that actually care about is it real, it is important that you have the actual genuine article of clothing from the, the designer. You know what I mean? And NFT is a way to do that. Yeah. And the reason uh, that's really important, I think, to discuss, because people are asking, why should I care? Right. If I have a Prada bag that looks like a Prada bag and it brings me joy, I don't give a fuck. But and that's and that makes sense to me in a world where everything is centralized and we're supporting huge companies that are abusing children to make their products. But when we move into a decentralized world and we want to empower people that we care about and we care about their missions and we want to know them personally, it's just it just reverberates so far. Um, you know, me being able to make my own money in my own terms and being able to reinvest that into other artists that I care about. Yeah. I want to track that, you know, I want to, I want to be proud of knowing that I own a piece of their collection. And, and I think in taking back our power and being our own banks and, and caring about whether the, the, the piece is real or not, we are helping empower 
and redefine what value is, right? Like, why should I care that this is a real piece of art? You should care because the artist put 10 years of their work into that. And if you can prove that that's real, you can actually give it value and we can continue to sell that in a way that provides us a stable living for the artist versus I'm just going to download or like steal this image from the internet and print it and put it as a poster on my wall. And it is a collective responsibility and a collective dream to build a more sustainable economy for all of us um so that's why i feel like people should care about Mm -hmm. what you know paying artists for their work and and tracking that absolutely Uh, it's a beautiful thing that the artists do get to put it out and receive something in return because so much of the art world is yeah people just ripping your stuff and using it for their own means and you're not getting anything out of it. I mean, I guess you get a, like the promo out of it if you look at it that way. But I mean, that doesn't, you know, as someone who's worked with a bunch of artists, um, it is very valuable to be able to pay them for something that they put so much love and energy into. So that is really cool. But then also just knowing where these phones are going to go, where these computers are going to go and what they're capable of doing Um it's going to be cool to have your own digital room with authentic pieces in it. And for people that, you know, like when you call, it won't be FaceTime anymore. Maybe it's some digital avatar of you in your dope room that you own the NFT to all the articles of clothing in that room and all the posters on the wall and maybe even the objects around, you know, you could have sculptures and, uh, a studio with actual NFT Yamaha speakers in it, you know, or something like that. It's just like, it's cool to be able to have the authentic version um, of it. And it's kind of like a bragging, right? You know, you're kind of like, yeah, this is actually a Banksy piece that it's, it's actually his, like I own one of 50 of these or I own the one. And so many people have, uh, you know, the whole kind of wealth paradigm has changed through crypto blowing up, um, where people that previously didn't have any money have a ton of money. And people that had a ton of money now, they're like, uh, <laughs> I'm holding on to this money that's old money now, you know? So, like, they're trying to jump on board with where technology is taking us and going. Um, and so, since some of these people are younger and they're more hip to what's catching on and they can tell where the world's going they're the early adopters right now buying these things at the cheaper prices and even though it's cheap now for the artist it's actually really good value because you know maybe someone bought your piece for one ethereum which is uh what is it how how much money is one ethereum right now close to two i don't know like 1700 or something let me see yeah like 17 hundred dollars um that that very nft in five to ten years could be 30 ethereum and that's a lot of money you know what i mean it's an investment too yeah yeah and also it's 1600 right now and also um what this does for artists um is that you know a lot of artists especially visual artists but actually all artists auditory artists music Uh, we have such an archive of stuff that we're working on. We have like millions of samples and half finished projects and NFTs are a way to monetize that. You know, I have my fine art in my studio might take me a couple of years to sell one of these huge pieces, but, uh, but I have been able to bring back files and pictures and 
and test some weird stuff I was experimenting with and sell all of that. And what's really funny to me right now is that a lot of my original art pieces that I sold a couple of years ago when my brand was a little smaller and also when I was in, in, minting NFTs, now the NFT versions of those are so much more expensive than the original piece. And I can see how that's going to create really cool um, really cool dynamics too, because one day the collector of the original piece is going to come out and try to sell that to the owner of the NFT and the digital file is registered as original, but the actual piece is not. And so there's, it's just like so crazy and so interesting to me. There's ways to link the two with chips and, and we're looking into that. But yeah, I think something that's really powerful mm -hmm. is that artists, you know, that are in a tight spot don't have the time to do 10 million commissions. Um, so if there's a way for you to monetize right. stuff that you've already done, that's amazing. And the, the only mm -hmm. basic, you know, there's some basic ideas of that in the real world, making prints or, you know, apparel, but this is so much more powerful. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. And like, I just wanted to say about NFTs, the simplest way to think about it is, you know, there was the internet of, there was the dot com, and then there was the internet of the boom of social interaction, social media. And then there was the dot com of, uh, of money kind of when Bitcoin, one of the, the third you know, waves of Bitcoin being powerful. And now there's the functionality gamification mm -hmm. and utility version of the internet, which is, you know, buying things in games and mm -hmm. the NFTs are the technology for that. The NFTs are the technology to gamify and make useful anything that you have in the world of the internet, you know? Yeah. And as that's becoming increasingly more real and you can just tell by, you know, we all have, and, and we are all even guilty of it, uh, spending so much time uh, on Instagram, on social media, on Facebook. It's more time than we spend being out in the world out there. So we can see that the, the trend is the internet is becoming more and more uh, immersive. Uh, more and more of our time is going into it. And uh, it's almost like we're bound to merge with technology with ai with whatever this is you know what i mean like elon musk talks about it uh i'm a fan of elon and um i don't know if it's gonna be i, I can't really tell if it's good or bad but like this whole like putting a chip in your head and stuff i, I don't i mean part of me is very like i'm an old timer and i don't want that but then another part of me is like hey like every generation has a new thing that people don't want to do, but it becomes the all new thing for everyone. Eventually, like my mom is now on Instagram. Like that's proof of it. That is proof of it. Like, you know, at first she was like, what's that? I don't know. But 10 years later, she's on it. So it's like, we'll all have to adopt, uh, adapt. I mean, um, if we care to keep up with the times and where the resources lie. Um, so NFT is, a uh, it's the, the leading edge right now. And I guess a question that I have is, do you think that this craze will get more and more hype or do you think it'll kind of taper and then come back? Or um, is there any sign of it slowing down or, or do you think that we're just buckle up because it's about to get real? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely, that's the question of the moment. In my personal opinion, based on my intuition and the reading the market, I feel like we have another four months of this being an insane bubble, 46 mm -hmm. months maybe for the whole bull run of, you know, Bitcoin being so high. Who knows? It could be nine months. It could be three years. 
I feel like we have like four to six months, but I don't think that NFTs are going away. And I feel that after that initial burst and maybe there's going to be a calm of the storm, which those moments are great to yeah. weed out people that are in it for the wrong reasons. I do feel like they're like while the bubble bursts and kind of plateaus and then comes back at the same time, there's going to be a very steady um, increase, uh, like a straight up line from all of the mainstream uh, platforms already including this. And we can already see it. There's mainstream music platforms coming out mm -hmm. with, um, you know, their own coin for their artists and their own NFTs, um, Sotheby's and um, right. Christie's and the major auction houses are all about it, all about NFTs already. Museums are fully adopting this. Mm -hmm. So, it's here to stay for sure. And, um, and we're going to see somebody said this the other day and it kind of blew my mind. They said, we don't even know what NFTs are going to be called or what they're going to look like in the future. You know, we, we use Venmo and we don't know how the fuck Venmo works. We just use it and we know it works. Right. So hopefully when NFTs are more user friendly and, and mass adopted, we're not even going to know that we're using NFTs. It's just going to be how we function. And so if you can get in now, just even out of curiosity and inform yourself, it's really, really powerful. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to speak to the that bit about us being more and more in the internet. I just, again, want to like hopefully transmit hope on this, that if you feel repelled by this or you feel worried about us being on our computers all the time, get involved because there's so many people that are changing this from within. You know, the people that I'm talking with that are creating the VR and AR world have all the intention to bring this full circle and to integrate it with us being in person as well. Um, so that was like a misconception and a thing that kept me out of the technology for too long. And I, you know, I always wish I got in earlier because it's just an extension of our consciousness. It's, it's just energy. We can use it however we want. And if the people that are scared of it and, and don't want to interact with it, don't voice their opinions, then their opinions don't get introduced into the world we're building, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that whole um, dynamic of change from within is very powerful and we can, you know, get involved and create more sustainable, healthier uh, ways to use this technology. And, um, you know, a good example is there used to be, I used to play and still do a little bit, but uh, this game, World of Warcraft, right? Nice. Extreme, extremely addicting, uh, loved it, they couldn't get off of it. At a point, um, you know, it became uh, it became understood by the the company that people just weren't logging off. So, so as change from within, they start giving you these messages every two hours you're on or something like, "Hey, maybe you should take a break." These types of things, <laughs> and you know, like that is that's good. That's promising towards. Uh, what maybe social media and these phones will do as well, which is kind of say, uh, it's you know, we're glad to have you, but definitely take a walk, you know, take a break, get out there. And it takes people work doing the change from within, as you're suggesting, to be able to present those ideas. So by getting involved, you can actually help create a healthier, more sustainable, you know, technology and or tools within those technologies like reminders to to do that to step away and to not be so in it but not only that but like i feel like apple for example could create like a better screen that maybe automatically dims or doesn't have so much blue light or is w like less damaging to your eyes or with the with the emfs and these type of things like technology can get better it it doesn't have to stay 
at a state where it, it is now and get worse and worse. Like, for example, like 4G and 5G, like people are saying 5G is so much worse for you than 4G if you're getting these rays and this type of thing. Well, if you go into the industry and change from within, maybe you make 5G or 6G healthier instead of worse for you. It's still faster and it's healthier. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's a good angle of hope to have for, um, for everything going on right now. So I love that perspective. I love that. Um, yeah, I think about stuff like that when, you know, when, okay, I rather be in nature than be in a house. But if you live in a city and you don't have access to nature and you work all the time, maybe if you come home and project a forest onto your roof, maybe that makes you really fucking happy. And maybe that's actually really healthy. So yeah, it's, it's, Mm -hmm it's easy to fall into the extremist and villainize something that has power like money or technology. But you know, Mm -hmm. there's, there's good, there's a good side to it as well. I love, I love what you said about just even entertaining the idea that maybe technological advances are eventually could also be healthy for us as well. It is happening in several industries for sure. Super cool. Yeah. I think it could because people are getting smarter. They're listening to consensus and, um, Yeah, I don't know, like with people in the industry that are leaders um, that have a conscious, maybe they've used psychedelics and they understand that we're all one and they don't want to take advantage of each other just to make a buck, you know, like instead people can start to use their power, their wealth, um, their brain, uh, their, their intelligence to create a better world instead of one that just uses uh, or manipulates, you know what I mean? So I don't know. I, I always try to find hope for that. And I feel like if you have hope and you share that you have hope, it gives other people hope and that's only a good thing. So that's so true. That's so true. It's only a good thing. So I got one last question for you. Um, what do you think is the link between psychedelics and the crypto space? Because I do find that a lot of people share a passion for both. And it's kind of counterintuitive because one is like a blockchain and it's a digital network. And one is a mind expanding tool that has been uh, that have been around for thousands of years. But for some reason or another, the spaces seem to coalesce or uh, converge together to create very promising partnership. What do you think? Where does that stem from? And what is your experience? With I that? love this question so much because... I don't know. Did you ever hear of the conference we threw in Tulum in Mexico called Crypto Psychedelic? Absolutely. Yeah. So that was the this shout out to all the homies I made that happen because they're amazing. Um, that was the idea of okay, what is yeah, what is this connection? Why is everybody in this space, um, you know, a fan of of psychedelics? And so we put on stage the most ancient technology knowledge, which is plant medicine and the most recent technology, which at the time was blockchain is blockchain. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the conversations that happened on stage were awesome. And and we got to realize, we got to see in real time how, yeah, they're very different, different things, but they actually, if you extend them to their fullest, they're the same thing, right? Where, you know, the internet to me is an mm-hmm. extension of, of telepathy and blockchain to me is an extension of our brains. And so, um, yeah, it was really cool to see that. And, and I feel that there's, there's been these extremes, you know, we, we swing to extremes 
when we're exploring something. Mm -hmm. So the LSD movement was one extreme and then the hippie kind of like after, you know, weed and mushrooms was another swing. And now we're kind of in the middle where Mm -hmm. we say, Hey, let's microdose more instead of just throwing our life away. Let's not push technology aside Mm -hmm. and be completely dividing. Let's bring all of the tools, all the tools for consciousness expansion and build from there. So if we give, Mm -hmm. if we give our computers a hardware clean, you know, every six months, if we store our data correctly, then it makes sense that we want to sleep well to store our data and our brains correctly. And it also makes sense that we want to use the tools, yeah. the technology plants, the biotechnology we have to use it on our bio body, right? Like our hardware is, bio- is, is biology. And so why would we not use those resources? Mm-hmm. You know, it just, to me, it, it's, it all makes perfect sense. Um, but it, but also, you know, even though it makes sense, it is, it is really weird to see it. And it's, it's really fun because one of the things that happened out of that conference that was amazing was we were able to raise uh, an, an obscene amount of money in cryptocurrency to finish the MDMA research that had been stopped because uh, of lack of government funding. And so through a conference of just a bunch uh-huh. of techie scientists, artists, creatives, and psychonauts hanging out and having a, a blast, we were able to finish you know, the research for MDMA. And now that's being used to treat depression. Like That was a real use case scenario of how this invented magic money that's decentralized can go and fund a project that's really needed beyond all the red tape and beyond all the middlemen. Like that was amazing. That was amazing to see. Absolutely. Absolutely love it. That is really cool. And um, that's actually as well. I think my friend Jen went to that conference and then uh, that's where she knew you guys from. And that's how we all got connected. I think so. Yeah, yeah. That's right. So that's really cool. Well, it's a small world. I'm glad to have met you and and hope to meet you again. Um, If you're ever in the Austin, San Antonio area, definitely let me know. And it'd be dope. Where are you right now, by the way? I will. I will. Yeah, I'm in Sedona, Arizona. I've been here for about eight months. Same. If you come through, it's just it's beautiful. It's beautiful out here. Cool. And I do miss Austin. So I hear good things. Definitely want to go back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I so appreciate your time and your and just yeah, Absolutely. your vibe, your light, and everything you do to bring people together and to bring this information out. So thank you so much for having me. Thank you. So where can people find you? What are your handles, websites and, and whatnot? Awesome. Um, I have a link tree and that has everything, but also nanuberks.com uh, and also just nanuberks on any platform. Also, if you Google nanu Bitcoin art or something like that, my name will come up as well. Uh, so yeah, find me. Let's connect. I'm on Clubhouse a lot. I give talks there sometimes. All about it. We'd love to connect. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you for being here, Nanu. I appreciate it. And it's been great chatting with you.